Rocky Peak. Michael here, and great to be with you again this weekend as we continue our series in uh, spiritual warfare. And it's just, uh, we had uh, many people out Friday night uh, for the, the date night. It was great seeing so many of you, and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, more of you as we, we move into the fall. Now, hey, before we go into our time of teaching, uh, just uh, uh, kind of one quick announcement. Uh, Scott just mentioned that we're doing this 24 hours of prayer. I'll be spring, bringing a special message that right before election, just kind of prepare our hearts perspective as we go into that week in the aftermath, however that turns out, uh, called Thriving in Babylon. But, you know, so I was praying about this week and just yesterday, I just really felt like the Lord was putting it on my heart that to encourage us as a church that as followers of Jesus, you know, we're called to be salt and light uh, in this world. And that means to bring our influence to bear in a dark culture. And uh, one of the ways we do that, we have such a privilege here in the United States as, of being able to vote. And it was interesting, I had a young woman this week uh, uh, approach me uh, here at Rocky Peak, she loves Jesus, and she said, hey, what do you think about voting? I've never voted before, but I've come to the Lord now. And I just share with her, you know, what a privilege it is that we had to vote and that, yeah, I get it. You know, she, she was saying, hey, you know, it's just, hey, it's, it seems like such a mess out there. It's hard to know what to vote for. I think I just won't even do it. But I was sharing with her, you know, as followers of Jesus, we're called to always pursue what is right and good and true. And uh, we don't always get the candidates we want. We don't always get the issues we want. It's not always how we would, you know, how we would kind of, uh, uh, kind of work it out. But we have this incredible opportunity to choose the best, right? To, to choose the best person that we can, the best issues that we can, the best platform that we can. And so I just want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus, if you're one of those people that you've been on the fence, I'm not even going to vote. There are so many critical issues, not just nationally, but uh, here in California, uh, locally. And I just encourage you as a follower of Jesus to embrace this incredible privilege that we have as Americans to influence the process and influence the course of our culture, to study the issues, to do the best you can to understand them, and to always ask the question, what's right and good and true? And then, and then ask God to lead you and vote according to what you think he's calling you to do so that together we could help, uh, help steer this country uh, towards a better future. So uh, anyway, we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. If uh, you haven't already, encourage you, as Scott mentioned, go ahead and download the, the uh, note sheet in your favorite format. And then we're going to pray and get started. Let's pray together. So, Lord, we just do thank you. We realize that we are in uh, troubled times. We're looking forward, uh, as we look forward into the future, Lord, as our, our nation. And it's a time of tremendous spiritual warfare behind the scenes. And so, as we continue this series on uh, what it looks like to follow you as our resurrected king in times of challenge, in times of spiritual warfare. We pray that today would be an important part of that as we, we uh, join with you in uh, furthering your kingdom. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our story starts today on a Sunday morning, and uh, it's very early, and it's still dark outside. And he and his buddies, they've, uh, they've worked hard the night before. They've stayed up late. And so everyone in the house is asleep except for him. He, he wakes up very early. He decides he wants to go outside. He's got something that he needs to do. And so we've all been there, right? You're trying to, to get up quietly, not wake up the house. And so he gets up. He slowly moves over, gets his clothes, dresses in the dark, moves across the front room to the front door, slowly opens the door, hoping it won't creak. 
as he steps out into the cool morning air. And as he closes the door behind him, he's pretty sure he's made a successful escape. And he looks up and there's a, there's a cool brisk wind that catches him in the face. It's, uh, it's still completely dark except for the, the bright moon and the brilliant stars. And so he begins to walk through the town. This is a town that he's moved to not too long before. So he's still learning the ropes, but he makes his way through the moonlight through the dark city streets. And he moves out to the edge of the town and once he hits the main road, he heads out, he, he follows that for a ways until he finds his favorite path that will lead him off into the hills. As he takes off on this small trail, the moon is shining bright, the sun has not yet started to rise and yet he knows that before long, that in the distance behind the huge mountains to the east, that they will begin to be silhouetted as the sun begins to come up and the begins to rise and the first rays of a new day will begin to peer over the mountains. And so he knows he has limited time for an important meeting. And so he heads out, out to the hills where his final rendezvous will take place. Well, today we're continuing this series that we've been in the last, for this last several months called The Resurrected King, Spiritual Warfare in Times of Challenge. And if you're new here, uh, I want to welcome you. It's crazy this weekend. I met someone at Starbucks, the Starbucks I go to. I was outside. They came up. Are you Pastor Michael? Yes, I am. And we began to talk. When did you start coming? You, your wife, the daughter. Oh, we started coming during COVID. We've never been, you know, inside the worship center. We just only watched online. So if that's you, if you're, uh, if you're out there, uh, we haven't met yet. Just a special welcome. But this series, uh, this series is a series about spiritual warfare. And the key passage passage that we've been looking at for it's kind of the, the basis for the whole series is in a very famous passage in the last chapter of a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christ followers in and around the ancient city, kind of a major city of Ephesus. So if you have your Bibles today, we're going to go there again as we kick off this uh, study today. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. If you get your Bibles, your apps, let's go ahead and open up and turn those on. And we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 6. There in your note sheet, you have a section that's called Spiritual Warfare, the Practice of Prayer. So the passage begins once again at verse 10 as Paul begins to wrap up this letter. And he says, finally, as brothers and sisters in Christ, finally, uh, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so as we've seen throughout this series that Paul has been teaching earlier in, the, in this letter that when Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he became the resurrected king of all creation. Through his life, his death on the cross, he's conquered the powers of darkness. And so as followers of Jesus, we're organically united with him by his spirit. So we have access to that power and authority of Jesus like we just sang about in that last song. And so Paul says, as followers of Jesus, you need to plug into your resurrected king and his mighty power. And he says, then you need to put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Remember his methodeus, his strategies. 
And so this has been the core challenge that we've looked at every week. As followers of Jesus, when we come to Jesus, we step over an invisible line, we cross from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and we, we enter into a new level of spiritual warfare against a, uh, a host of enemies that are smart, uh, they're strategic, they're strong, and they're out to destroy us. And so Paul says that if you want to win, you need to plug into the power of your resurrected king and put on what he describes as the full armor of God. Now, from this point on, he goes on to identify six examples of the kinds of armor he's talking about. And so he's, he'll talk about, hey, put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, put the, the gospel of peace on your feet, put the helmet of salvation on your head, pick up the this, this shield of faith, Pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But then we come to verse 18 as he begins to wrap up this whole challenge with this one final word to us. And so in verse 18, if you skip down there, he says, and pray, catch this, pray once. Right, pray in the Spirit. We'll come back to that. He says you, you need to be listening and following the Holy Spirit as you pray. And you need to be praying on all occasions this seems to be a major part of your life, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, you need to be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Now remember, Paul's in prison when he's writing this, so he says, so pray also for me that whenever I speak, so whether he's speaking to the guards or he's called before the Roman Senate or before the Caesar, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. So pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And with that, Paul brings this passage on spiritual warfare to an end. Now, what I wanna do today as we begin to wrap up this series, both this week and then we'll wrap it up next week, what I wanna do is focus in on this final challenge that Paul gives us about prayer. And what I wanna do is highlight three big picture principles that flow out of this passage on prayer, and then come back at the end and ask two very kind of personal key questions for each of our lives to evaluate how we're doing in this area in regards to spiritual warfare. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called Spiritual Warfare, the Priority of Prayer, right? So let's jump in. The first principle goes like this. The first principle is the obvious one, as we just read, that prayer is a priority. That what Paul wants us to understand is that if we want to win this spiritual battle, remember he said plug into the resurrected king, put on the armor of God, but what he wants us to understand is that if we're going to win, that prayer is gonna play a major role in this victory. Now, I want you to look there again at this verse 18. I put it on your note sheet to make it easy. So let's just, let's just uh, I wanna read it again and I wanna highlight a couple things that flow out of this verse about the priority of prayer. So he says, pray in the spirit, we'll come back to that in a minute, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests and with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, two things I wanna point out from this, this passage. First of all, I want you to notice how everything that Paul has taught us about spiritual warfare in this entire passage leads up to prayer. You know, he starts back in 610, verse, chapter six, verse 10, saying, 
be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And he says, then put on the full armor of God. And then he gives us six examples, right? And so he says, this is how to gear up for the battle. So put the belt of truth on. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Get your feet ready with the special shoes, the gospel of peace. Put the helmet of salvation on. Pick up the shield of faith. Get your sword of the spirit. So we're ready for battle. We are geared up, but where do we go? What do we do? And Paul says, now that you're geared up, you need to pray in the spirit. It's as if everything has led up to this point. Prayer is a priority. If we're going to win, then we have to learn how to pray, and not just pray, but we have to learn how to pray in the spirit. And secondly, I want you to notice how Paul invests more time and attention and words to prayer than any other piece of armor. With most of the, with most of the pieces of armor or weapons, it's very brief. Hey, put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the gospel of peace on your, on your feet. Pick up the shield of faith with which you can Defend from the fiery darts. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the, uh, you know, the, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But if you notice, there, there either is no definition, no description, or a very limited description of each piece of armor. But when he gets to prayer, he slows it down. And he begins to focus in. And look how long he, what, look how much, uh, much real estate he invests in this. He says, he didn't just say pray in the spirit. He says pray in the spirit. Pray at all occasions. Pray all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Keep always be praying for all the Lord's people. Paul slows down and he says, hey, this is a big deal. You're geared up. You're ready for battle. Now I'm calling you to prayer. I'm calling you to the walls. You need to be watching out for one another. You need to be watching out for your family. You need to be watching out for your spouse. You need to be watching out for your life group. You need to be watching out for, uh, for, your, for uh, your church. You need to be watching out for your community. You need to be watching out for your nation. We've got an enemy out there. He's prowling about. He's looking for someone to devour. You're geared up. You're ready to go. Now you need to be watching out and going to prayer and prayer in the spirit. I want you to notice how many times in this short verse that Paul uses the word all or always. And in the Greek, the word is the same. The weak word in the Greek for all and all is the same word. And I want you to notice how many times he says all. He says pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Do you get the sense of intensity? Hey, if we're gonna win, he says prayer is going to be a play a major role. Now, it's interesting because you study the life of letters of Paul, you see how important prayer was in his life. So many letters. He starts off, we'll look at an example later, where he just says, I'm always praying for you, right? And this is what I'm praying. We'll look at one of those examples later. But you see this also in the life of Jesus, that prayer was one of the reasons, uh, kind of one of the sources of his strength and power and victory over the evil one. Like, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, Today we started this story about this man who'd been up late with his friends the night before, working really hard, wakes up early in the morning while it's still dark, and he's gonna sneak out of the house, 
go through the town, out into the hills for this rendezvous. So this is a true story from the life of Jesus. And it happens very early in his ministry. We're told about it in Mark chapter 1. So Mark chapter 1, we're told that, that Jesus has moved uh, from Nazareth. He's moved to Capernaum, a major town or, uh, on the sea, sea of Galilee. And he's, he's moved there with his family. He's kind of going to make it his headquarters. And uh, Mark opens up kind of his first real ministry action where that day he goes to his synagogue, frees a man from a, a major uh, de demoniac uh, kind of a, a demonization. And that night after the Sabbath is over, so it's sundown on Saturday night, uh, then the town starts coming to him. He stays up late, healing the sick, uh, freeing people from demonization. So they're real tired. Uh, the next morning, he's going to spend the night there. Now, chances are he'll probably stay in Peter's house. We don't believe Jesus probably owned a house. Peter lived in Capernaum. Uh, he healed his mother-in-law. They had dinner there that night. And so he probably spent the night there. It's interesting, when we go to Israel, to we go to Capernaum, uh, archaeologists have uncovered what they believe is the house of Peter. They've actually uh, built a, like a church over it, but with a glass floor, you can see down inside of it. And it's very likely that this is where Jesus spent the night. And so he gets up early in the morning before, start, before the light, and he's going to head out because he needs to spend time with his father. Now, this is something we'll see increasingly in the life of Jesus. As his, his, life, gets, catch it, as his life gets busier, it becomes clearer the priority of prayer. Because what you'll see is that the only time he can pray is really early in the morning or late at night. That's when you see most of it happening. And so in this particular uh, account, he gets up early in the morning and he goes out to pray out into what is called the solitary place, very likely are the hills right outside Capernaum. And later in the day, um, his disciples are going to finally find him. They don't know where he's gone. Um, but you're going to see that he's going to stay there praying until they find him when, you know, they're up, have breakfast, and, and so on. So he's there quite a while. In fact, there in your note sheet, you have this, um, uh, this verse here from Mark chapter 1, where it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, that Jesus got up, again, probably staying at Peter's house, and he left the house and he went off, you know, through the town, through the streets of Capernaum, and then off to a solitary place and prayed. And again, what we see is the busier his life becomes, the more clear this is a priority because he, it becomes, he's got to carve out time to make it happen. So for example, there in Luke 5, the next passage, the news about him spread all the more, so things are heating up. He's becoming very popular. So that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, but catch this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And it's what we see in his life, especially, catch this, especially in times where he had to make major decisions, like choosing the disciples, in times of crisis, uh, like Gethsemane, or in times of temptation, like in John chapter 6, when they, the crowd wants to come and force him to be king, what you see time and time again is Jesus going off and spending long extended times of prayer with his father. And it's, 
there was this time of relationship with his father that was, was giving him clarity for his role. He was tapping into kind of the wisdom that God was giving him to give the people. Uh, and it was also a source of his victory over Satan. And in fact, there's one particular event uh, where Jesus later in his ministry will cast out a demon out of a young boy and his disciples couldn't do it. And they asked him later, why could, why could you do it? And we couldn't do it. And he said, this time comes out only by prayer. And so what we see in the life of Jesus is that he models for us, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, that we have to do what Jesus did. We can't just believe in Jesus. Remember, the whole goal of following Jesus is to become like Jesus, the student like the master. And if we become like Jesus, then we have to pattern our life after him. And so Paul says, as he wraps up this whole section on spiritual warfare, he says, are you going to plug into the power of the resurrected king? You need to put on the armor. And once you do, you need to learn how to pray in the spirit and make it a top priority on all occasions. All different kinds of prayers are in quest. Always be on the alerts, praying for all of God's people. Prayer is a priority. Number two, the second principle that flows out of this passage is that prayer is supernatural. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's just very natural for us. When we think about prayer, we think about prayer in terms of one-way communication. We get prayer of going before God, bringing our requests, maybe praising him, thanking him, and then bringing out our, our prayer list and kind of going, kind of, here are the things that are on my my mind, right? Or we think of going and sharing our heart with God, but what we learn in the Bible is that prayer is actually requires two-way communication. There's a sense that we communicate to God, but we need to learn how to listen for his voice in our life, through his word, through his spirit. What's he communicating with us? And that's what Paul says in this passage. He says in Ephesians 6.18, again, he says, pray, and remember I had you underline it before, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the Spirit. Now, the question is, what does Paul mean by pray in the Spirit? And there were some, there were some who might suggest that, well, that means to pray uh, in a language that you've never learned that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, what sometimes is called praying in tongues, or in the Greek, it's just praying in languages, right? Um, and so, uh, that's possible, but it's probably not what's going on here. Uh, you know, it's interesting, in 1 Corinthians 14, which is not on your note sheet, but in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about that. He says that when he prays, that he often prays in his unknown language, inspired by the Spirit. He, he's, he prays in tongues. And he describes that. He says, uh, at times I pray in my, in the spirit, in my spirit, and at times I, I pray in my mind or with my understanding. So, he, you know, both kinds of prayer. Normally you're talking to God in your normal language, and then praying through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's possible that that's what Paul is talking about, but I don't think that that really fits here because there's nothing in the context that suggests that. 1 Corinthians 14 is all about that, but here there's nothing that suggests that. In fact, it's actually the opposite because here he says pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers, all 
different uh, occasions, all different kinds of requests, all different kinds of people, which doesn't sound like praying to the Lord in a language that we've never learned and don't understand. I, I think that what Paul is saying here is that as followers of Jesus, in the same way that we need to learn to listen and follow the Spirit's leading in all of our life, that the, so, the, so it is also the case when it comes to prayer. That when we go into the presence of the Lord, we should not think of it as just one-way communication. I'm coming to God to share my issues, my concerns, my requests, my prayer list, and then I leave. But when I come into the presence of God, I'm entering into the presence, and I'm entering in to talk with him about the things that I'm concerned about, the needs, the requests, and so on. But I'm also coming to say, God, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? And learning to listen for what the Holy Spirit is putting in your heart to pray. I've shared this before in my own life. Uh, I think everyone has to work this out, how it works for them. But, um, but in my own life, I've shared this before, that when I pray, I go to spend time with the Lord, that I, I pray using my uh, large iPad. And uh, one of the reasons I do that is I don't go through a million uh, journals because, because of the way I do it. But I use, a, uh, I use a, an app, like a note-taking app, and so as I've shared before, that when I'm praying for a particular person, a situation, a topic, I tend to, I'll write there the name or, or the topic or what my life group, whatever, you know, towards the top of the page. I'll put a box around it, a rectangle uh, around it, and then I'll put a big arch over the top, which represents kind of the presence of God. It's like I'm bringing this person, my life group, this church, our nation, I'm bringing it under the presence of God. And, and so I'll begin to pray there and write down key words uh, for me. Sometimes I'll write it all out, a prayer, but usually not. It's more key words, I think, in key words. I, and I'll write down some key words. I'm just praying over that situation. And so that I'm bringing to the Lord what's on my heart, but I'm also waiting before him uh, with sort of a, I like to call it a, a posture of, of receiving, right? That I, I'm, I'm not just coming with a posture of here's what I'm bringing. It's a posture of receiving, um, a posture of waiting on him. Like what is uh, on your heart? What do I need to be praying for? You know what's so interesting? I often find that when I pray that I, I might start by praying for a particular topic and go on to several other topics, but then later on in my prayer time, I feel like the Lord just brings that back to mind with a new level of depth, a new level of intensity, a new level of um, issues to be praying for. So for example, this morning I was out uh, praying and, and I was praying for my life group. And so, you know, I put the box and put the thing in and began to pray for them and for God's vision and some of the concerns I had and certain people in the group. And then after doing that for a while, I moved on to other things, but later on, it just, it just it came back to me again with a deeper concern, so more things that were coming, and so I just flipped back to that page and then began to fill it in more, right? It happened with a, another, a, a particular family in my life group this week that was going through some difficult things, and that happened two or three times today. So how it works for you, it will be different for all of us, but the point is, is that there, there's a, a posture of giving, Lord, here's what I have to give to you, here's my request, and there's a posture of receiving, and we need to learn how to, to bring both. I, Lord, I'm here in your presence, what do you want me to pray for? And of course, uh, all things are fair game, but we just want to be open to the Lord, what's he bringing into our mind as we pray? All right, so prayer is supernatural, it's prayer in the Spirit. And the third principle is that prayer is warfare. 
Um, in other words, that uh, when we often we think of prayer, I think especially as American Christians, we often think of prayer as a way of um, pursuing God for a deeper relationship with him. And of course, this makes sense, right? It's what we do with human relationships. If you want to pursue a relationship, you're going to spend time and conversation. And of course, it's the same way with the Lord. If we want a deeper relationship, we're going to spend time. We're going to share our heart. We're going to read his word. We're going to listen to his spirit. We're going to journal our thoughts. We're going to build relationship. And that's a beautiful thing. But what we need to understand is prayer has at least a couple sides of it. And, and part of it, that the first side is the relational side. We're developing our relationship, pursuing relationship. But, but the second side is that prayer is where we get things done in the kingdom. Prayer is how we get things done. Uh, I've used this analogy before, uh, back when we, we taught on pursuing God years ago. You may remember it, but I remember way back in the first Gulf War, I think it was, was the first time we saw on TV, we, we, were, we were able to see these kind of smart bombs that were laser directed. And so you'd have special forces uh, uh, go into an area of the battlefield kind of in advance of the, the front lines of our, our regular forces. And then they would throw laser paint, a factory, or laser paint, uh, an installation. And then they would call in, uh, they would call in the bomb threat or call in the missiles. And so there was this partnership between the, the planes with the power or the missiles in the distance and the, the forces on the ground. And this has always been to me like a beautiful illustration of, of what kingdom prayer is about. Those followers of Jesus were on the ground. Our job is to advance the kingdom. And so we, we see an, an area where the kingdom needs to advance. We see someone, uh, what, someone uh, a, a fellow brother or sister in Christ under attack spiritually in danger. We see an opportunity for the kingdom to advance like, like the Apostle Paul sharing the message of Jesus with the Roman Senate or uh, Caesar so that we, we call in this supernatural power of God into that situation. There's a beautiful partnership there that as we pray, we're connecting with God and asking him by his Holy Spirit to act on our behalf in this thing to advance his kingdom. And this is sort of a kingdom prayer. It's like a, a warfare prayer. And so this is the kind of prayer that Paul is talking about in this passage. He's talking about spiritual warfare prayer. And so he says, notice in verse 6 and 18, he says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then catch this, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So what, he, what he's saying is that like we're in a battle here. And think of it like a real battle that you're, you're fighting your own enemy, right? But you're also watching out for your buddies and you're watching out for their back. And when they're in danger, you're gonna try to step in and help them. That's the idea that we're in spiritual warfare. The enemy's attacking us and we need to be on the alert for one another. We need to be watching out for our families, for our children, for our friends, for our life group, for our church, for our nation. We need to be on the alert and watching out and then calling in the power of God to deal with that particular situation. I love the definition of prayer that's right under this third point uh, by Dallas Willard. He says that prayer is talking with God about what we're doing together. And this is a beautiful definition. Right? 
And so we need to understand that, yeah, prayer is about relationship, but prayer is also about warfare. There are certain things that God wants to do that will not get done without you praying for them. We see this in James. You have not because you ask not. There's a couple of great quotes I put there on this, in this regard. One was from a famous pastor of the last century named S.D. Gordon. He says, the purpose of prayer is not to persuade or influence God, but to join forces with him against the enemy. Or from Pastor John Piper, we see repeatedly in Scripture that prayer is the walkie-talkie for warfare, not a domestic intercom for increasing our conveniences. The point of prayer is empowering for mission, right? Like praying with Paul that that God would give him courage to speak the message when the opportunity comes up, right? So so these are three kind of foundational, basic principles about spiritual warfare and the role prayer plays in it. First, prayer, prayer is a priority. That in this passage, everything leads up to prayer. Secondly, prayer is supernatural. If we're going to win this spiritual battle, we need to learn to listen and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And finally, that prayer... Uh, prayer is for warfare. It's not just for relationship. It's how we get things done in the kingdom, right? So three basic principles. Now, I want to ask a couple questions just for us to do some uh, self-evaluation. And as I ask these, as always, I ask these not in the spirit of creating shame, not in, in the spirit of pointing fingers or creating guilt. I ask it in, a, in, the, in the spirit of uh, a spiritual life coach, a pastor coming along your life and saying, hey, I want you to win. I want you to win in your family. I want you to win in your own life. I want you to win with your kids. I want you to win in your marriage. I want you to, uh, to win in your, your friendships, your career. I want you to win your kingdom impact. And so uh, with that spirit on, let's talk about what it takes to win. And so in that, in that mind, in that spirit, I want to ask two questions. There in your note sheet, uh, the section is spiritual warfare, the pursuit of prayer. So the first question is for you, is prayer a priority? We've seen that, that Paul says if we're going to win, that prayer needs to be a priority. This is how the battle takes place. So the question is, in your life, would you say prayer is a priority? And I think another way of asking that is if I were to ask you, hey, in this last week, could you show me your calendar and show me when you spent time with the Lord just to pursue him, not just personally, but also to partner with him in prayer for your family, for your friends, your life group, your church, your nation, and so on. Uh, Can you show me where that happened in your week? Now, what I found over the years is that when I ask this question or when this topic comes up, that many times, many believers will say something like this. Well, I don't really have a set time of prayer, but I just like to pray with the Lord throughout the whole day. So I just put him to my car, uh, I'm in my shower, I'm just gonna shoot him up, just a conversational person. I don't really have a time of prayer, set time of prayer, but I just kind of always keep prayer going. Now, I want you to catch, that is a great thing. Uh, because one of the realities is, is because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you and I have access to our Father. We don't have to be a special time of day. We don't have to be in a certain posture of prayer. We don't have to use special words. We can just come to our Father at any time and share our heart. In fact, there on your note sheet, Jesus talked about this access. He says, when you pray, he says, don't go on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. But 
Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so Jesus taught us that as, his, as, as God's children, we have this opportunity to come into the presence of God just with normal words any time of day and share our life. And this is a beautiful part of a relationship, of our relationship with God. But for any relationship to thrive, like say take my relationship with my wife Lynn, that for that relationship to th thrive, of course we can talk throughout the day. Of course we can text a quick message. Of course we can just say something in passing as we're walking around the house, that's great. But if our relationship's gonna grow and develop and we're gonna truly solve problems and build a life together, we're gonna need longer conversations. We're gonna need time alone. We're gonna need date nights. We're gonna need to build that relationship and we're gonna need to process our lives together. And it's the same spiritually. And this is why uh, for Jesus, you see that for him, it was such a high priority. I mean, if anyone could have kind of instant communion with the Father throughout the day, it would be Jesus. In fact, we often see that throughout his ministry, just shoot him up prayer. Was, you know, we just, he would do that. We, we have record of that. But what we also see is that for Jesus, he knew if he was gonna grow, if he was gonna thrive, if he was gonna have spiritual power, if he was gonna be empowered to, to lead others, that he needed that time alone with the Father. And of course, you and I do too. So the question is, uh, is prayer a priority for you? And the second question then, the second question is, what are you praying for? This is really interesting. You know, I've talked about this that often, I think especially as American Christians, we think of prayer in terms of relationship, which is a beautiful thing. But as we saw today, prayer is also for warfare. And when you study the prayers of the Bible, you study the prayers of Jesus, you study the prayers of Paul, what you see is that more often than not, they're, they're not praying for physical comfort, or physical success, or like John Piper said, physical convenience. They're praying for spiritual priorities, right? They're praying for that we would grow, that we would be transformed, that we would have kingdom impact, that the kingdom would advance. And so the question is, what are you, when you do pray, what are you praying for? Now, just to be clear, that as followers of Jesus, we can and should pray about everything. This is why Paul says we're to pray at, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so, like in the Lord's Prayer, we're to pray, yes, for our daily bread, our physical needs. We're to pray for the forgiveness of our sins, our spiritual needs, yes. But have you ever paid attention to how the Lord's Prayer starts? It starts praying for God's name to be known, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. That's the top priority. And then after that, we pray for, for us and our needs. Often for us, it's uh, praying for our needs and we never get to the kingdom needs. So it's interesting. I mentioned this earlier that the apostle Paul, that you could see what a big deal prayer was and it, it was a very high priority in his life. And one of the ways you see it is often at the start of his letters, he tells you what he's praying for for these people. And he'll say things like, I'm always praying for you. Or since the day we've heard of it, we've been praying for you. Or always in my prayers, here's what I'm praying. But what you see is not only is prayer a priority, but you see what he's praying for. He's, came, he's praying for spiritual growth, spiritual transformation, spiritual protection from the enemy, uh, kingdom advancement, kingdom impact in their life.
Like for example, I don't know if you remember this, but earlier in this series, we looked at the, uh, Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter one. As he says, here's what I'm praying for, for you. And we've looked at it uh, several times in several different angles, so I'm not gonna go in depth, but I just wanna point it out again because I want you to see kind of the, the tenor, the posture, like what is his priority for them in prayer. And so he says there in your note sheet in Ephesians 1, he says, I keep asking, so catch that priority, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right, so God's, he's praying that God would open their eyes so that you may know him better. That's my first thing. I'm praying that God would just pour out his spirit so you really come to know him. And he says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know the hope to which he's called you. Remember a couple weeks ago, he talked about the hope, the future hope. He said, I'm praying that God would open your eyes so you could see the reality of the next life, so you can live this life for the next life. And he says that I'm praying for that you, your eyes will be opened so that you can see the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. What he's talking about there is that you would understand the amazing beauty of this new community of King Jesus. We're gonna to live together forever. And he says, finally, I'm praying your eyes will be open so you can see the incomparably great power for us who believe that we have been uh, died with Christ, risen with him, connected with him. We have power over the dark side through Jesus, right? So do you see what he's praying for? Like he's not praying for their job. He's not praying for their health. He's not praying for their wealth. Um, of course, not that these things are bad to pray for, but his primary priority is he's praying kingdom prayers. He's praying for spiritual warfare prayers. He's praying that they would grow, be transformed, become the people they're created to be. So the question I have for you is when you look at your prayer life, what are you praying for? I hope you're praying for your job and your, you know, your future and for all the practical things, your health. Those are beautiful things to pray for. But as followers of Jesus, the most important thing that we're praying for are the things that will last forever, the things that matter forever. And so the question is, when you're praying for your spouse, when you're praying for your children, when you're praying for your, uh, your kids, when you're praying, for, um, you're praying for your life group, you're praying for this church, you're praying for our nation, what are you praying for? And Paul says that as followers of Jesus who are connected to the resurrected king, that we have the right and authority to be calling the power of God in the most important things of life. And that if we're going to win this spiritual battle, we need to be watching out for one another's backs. That we are all, we are under attack. The enemy is constantly trying to derail us or destroy us. He's trying to raise doubts. He's trying to get us to give up, to give in, to give way. And he says, and so as followers of Jesus, we need to be watching out for one another, guarding the walls in each other's life. And we do that by learning to pray, making it a priority, and praying in the power of his spirit. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we come today and we are coming towards the end of this series. 
And it's a beautiful thing as Paul says, now that you've prepared yourself for battle, he says, now you need to go on the attack and you need to pray in the spirit. You need to make it a priority. You need to learn how to listen to the spirit. You need to pray for the things that matter most. And so Father, we pray that you would teach us how to pursue you in this way. We pray that for those of us who say, honestly, this hasn't been a priority, that you would just so move in our life that we would see what a huge mistake that is. And not out of shame or not out of guilt, but just because of our desire to win and have impact and to win this spiritual battle, that we would rearrange our lives in such a way, whether it's getting up early like Jesus or late at night or however it is, that we would come into the school of Jesus and you would teach us how to pray in the power of the Spirit. We pray that you teach us how to pursue you in that way. We ask in your name. Amen.